And I start looking around and I'm like, that store's closed, that store's closed. And sort of in that moment at 16, the blight, it really bothered me. And I was like, you know, so my 16 year old self saying, I'm gonna help, you're gonna help Detroit revitalize. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what economic development was from a small business perspective. And so it was like that seed was officially planted during my teenage years. Hi, this is Angie Cooper with Heartland Forward, and we're so excited to have joining us today for our Meet in the Middle virtually with Regina Campbell. Regina is the president and CEO of Build Institute. And Regina, we're just going to jump right in. I think one of the things that you just mentioned to me as we were as we were talking before we hit record is what you are doing today is the heart of who you are. So tell us a little bit about what you do and, and why it's so important to you. And, and, and I think it ties in very well with, with what a lot of entrepreneurs and, and people helping communities might think and feel the exact same way you do. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and why you do what you do. Sure. So I'm Regina Ann Campbell. As you said, Angie, I first want to say thank you so much for having me. It's such an opportunity to uh, share today with you all and learn from you as well, because I consider myself a lifelong learner. And so I like to say that I'm an economic developer. And um, I was long an economic developer long before I even knew what it was. If I talk about my why, it has a lot to do with um, from the time I was a child, I just loved cities. And in particular, I loved going into local stores and shopping and sort of the hustle and bustle, like in downtowns that we would go to. Um, and it began to change over time. You know, I remember working in the store when I was like uh, a young teenager in high school and then neighborhoods start changing. You know, I'm from Detroit. And so I start seeing um, buildings closed or boarded up and record stores and boutiques we used to go to and walk to grocery stores, those were no longer in our neighborhood. And that really bothered me. In particular, I was actually about to catch the bus one day downtown because my father worked at uh, Recorder's Court, which is Frank Murphy's Court. And there's this local pizza spot that's still in Detroit downtown called Nikki's. And I was like, I'm going to treat my dad to lunch. And so this particular day on the west side of Detroit, I'm waiting on the bus and it took seemed like longer than usual. Um, and I started looking around and I'm like, that store's closed, that store's closed. And sort of in that moment at 16, the blight, it really bothered me. And I was like, you know, so my 16 year old self saying, I'm gonna help, you're gonna help Detroit revitalize. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what economic development was from a small business perspective. And so it was like that seed was officially planted um, during my teenage years. And so naturally going to fit forward, I continued to work, you know, in policy and then got introduced to what was called urban planning and um, urban planning school to do economic development, all those things that I would better come to understand how I could get in the game, as they say. Um, and just fast forwarding to sort of economic development, small business, my first opportunity to really just dive into this work when I was a Detroit Revitalization Fellows at Wayne State University. And I did small business incubation, launched a small business incubator in the north end of Detroit, 
started the Detroit Entrepreneur Week, which was for community-based micro-businesses. And I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I was like, oh, I want to do more of this after the two-year fellowship. And that's when um, Leslie Lynn Smith, I know people in the Memphis region and uh, Detroit know her. She recruited me to Tech Town uh, for five years. And so we did some really great work together around community-based businesses, helping them launch and scale in neighborhoods from restaurants, retail, small-scale manufacturers. So I had fun. Then she brought me to Memphis to do more. Um, And that's where I met uh, Katie and um, some other really just great folks in Memphis. And my family were there. We were there for about three years. And now I'm back at Build Institute, working with small businesses, leading an organization with national standard entrepreneurial education and capital. And just so you know, Build Institute has a national footprint. So we're also in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and in uh, Bradenton, Florida, as of January. So um, it was planted in my heart so long ago, and I've been fortunate to have worked in it at least since 2011, intimately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just happy to be here to be able to share um, and that and share my why um, mm-hmm. with economic development. Yeah, what a great story. And I think that that's, like I said, a lot of entrepreneurs start like that. But, you know, we're hearing more and more, uh, specifically in Heartland communities where Heartland Forward is focused to be a resources. People love their communities and and more people are moving back to their communities. And and how do we grow them? And, And and it can happen. I mean, it can happen in places like Detroit and Memphis. It can happen in smaller locations. And and I, th- I love what you're doing um, at Build Institute. But talk to us a little bit more because y- your vision with Build Institute and, and being a global leader in equitable and inclusive entrepreneurship, what does that look like? Those are That's not easy to do. We all know that, right? And so many communities are challenged. Um, and, and how do you how do you start and grow? So talk to us a little bit and what advice would you give other other organizations or other communities based upon what you've learned and, and what you're doing? Certainly, certainly. Um, I love the question. Um, it allows room to sort of speak to the theory of change. I think it's important for every organization to lead with that as we look to support businesses. And so I will you know say up front, a lot of my early career in this economic development was um, brought on by watching what was happening on the tech side of things. You know, we have um, where we see um, funding to see those early stage companies, those ideators um, and processes around investment. And so learning on what worked there and being able to say, well, this can also work community-based businesses as a strategy One, because we know these micro businesses are what I consider they have an ROI for our communities from an economic development impact, an economic impact, but they also have a social uh, return on investment in which is the community building piece. Mm -hmm. Micro businesses do what no other big business can do, which is they bring together community and culture. They bring together the residents that live there all the way to ones who are visiting and there are places that people can go to and have an experience. Um, If you walk into a coffee shop, you've been there, you walk into the local coffee shop, you might run into a neighbor, you might run into somebody you work or a new person to interact. And you know, like I know, it is the relationships that help bridge community, um, 
And so micro businesses are the only place we can do that in those commercial corridors. So they have a ROI for economic impact around hiring and creating jobs. And typically, you know, people of color hire people of color. And so um, when you look at data around mobility and opportunity to only, you know, there's economic mobility and then there's transit mobility. How are people able to work in their neighborhoods and build relationships and protect the neighborhoods? And so again, small businesses, micro businesses are the key to community building and economic impact. And they can't be left out. So if I move forward to our theory of change and we talk about inclusive economic development, I'll say it to my team and you know, as a thought leader for us, it is not just race. So again, we have um, Build Institute programming in other places where our mission and vision align. There are small business owners who want to launch everything from a retail shop, a food truck, to some e-commerce of selling products online. we got somebody who makes amazing hot sauce. And for us, just like on the tech side, our theory of change is making sure that there is capital available to seed these ideators and these proof of concept folks so that we can get them to where they can go to a bank and scale. Mm -hmm. So right now, you'll always hear around the country, and we even hear it in Detroit, that there's capital available. Yes, there's capital available, but not specific to the needs of these community-based businesses or these non-tech businesses, when capital so oftentimes is the only barrier. So we provide the best national standard education possible to our entrepreneurs. We have uh, Kiva Capital, which is available that can support a crowdfunding platform and a Detroit suit design. And there's some other things in the marketplace here. Mm -hmm. But again, certain, um, whether it's CDFIs or other capital available will only invest in certain businesses, mm -hmm. which leaves out uh, hundreds of entrepreneurs in our country that can create jobs, that can create products and services that we care about. And so my role, particularly in my leadership at Build is to continue some work that we've done in Detroit and Leslie and I did in Memphis around, you know, seeding this community-based capital piece. You know, we did things where uh, this brick and mortar business, this e-commerce business, um, this restaurant, could get seed capital to help them be able to stabilize or do proof of concept. And that's important. What does that mean? It really means what I was saying to some funders and conversations here is it's not rocket science. It just means about diverting investments in a very different strategic way. But it also means how you said we care about community. Community cares about community. Residents care about their community. It means pulling them in in ways to invest in the businesses in their neighborhood. And so there are some strategies that we are working on here to be able to do exactly that. Inclusive, equitable um, entrepreneurship is really making sure that every resource is available for any entrepreneur that wants to start a business. And oftentimes capital is the missing link. So I encourage people to ask the questions, um, encourage organizations and entities and investors to divert money in a very different way. Yes, the ROI um, leg is long, so it will take time to get there. But just like in the Detroit ecosystem, when it first started with New Economy Initiative, it took time for really like the banks and uh, the private sector to see, this is how we can plug and play into this small business area. It's the same with the capital piece, taking the time to show how their investments 
can yield a return on investment while also having a social return on investment. And then I'd like to add this. I've been saying that COVID has done a, has provided a runway in many ways for economic development of small business. I know many of us, we've lost, you know, um, you know, friends and family through COVID, but also out of this, our small business owners have been lifted up as essential. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the conversation that I continue to talk about with others. I know for me personally, um, I always like to say I can't eat tech, but I miss my restaurants. I miss going into the coffee shops. I miss going to my manicurist. Her name is T, who was in Memphis. I miss seeing her. You know, all the things that we love to do for ourselves, our community, our friends and family, those essential businesses, those hairstylists and barbers, they're essential. They're essential yeah. to the community from an economic impact and then also for building community and socialization. And so now that we know they're essential, it's time to drive investment in very different ways that support them with capital. And so that's, you know, grants, there's grants that's out there. There's always also ways to do uh, investments, um, you know, debt and equity, um, very similar to the way we do on the tech side of the house. And so yeah. we sit in service to solve and, and be a thought leader into helping activate uh, what we call the, the capital ladder here um, in, our, in our region. Yeah, no, such great advice. And I have so many questions I want to I ask you. My friends and family would think I was crazy if I did not ask you about the hot sauce company. So we'll talk offline because I love hot sauce. So I need oh, to know the uh, hot sauce company you. that you're working with directly. Um, but, but you're exactly right. I mean, we are all living in a time where we were not able to be connected. And now that, that we are, um, it's so important for our communities and, and we need to continue to, I think, educate and, and the capital piece is extremely important and diversify to your point. Um, a lot of communities put dollars into tech, but like, how do we, how do we make it all work together? And when I say all work together, that's a lot of thing, a lot of things that we talk about at Heartland Forward. We recently launched um, with a partner builders and backers called our Community Growth Program and Toolkit. And it's really an opportunity to take social entrepreneurs and test their ideas at the very beginning stages. And, and the social entrepreneurs are there to help problem solve for communities. When we talk about at Heartland Forward, and I know you're the same way, and I think, and I'm hoping you can give us some advice. These are big challenges. We need to continue to do this all over the place, not just in the Heartland, but across the country but it's not one organization that is going to solve. So what is the advice that you would give community leaders of them starting to work with Build Institute or you being engaged? And then how, how do you work with the broader networks of people that are doing similar things? How does that collaboration work and how do you build upon it to really accelerate the broader narrative of what we're all trying to do? Phenomenal questions. <laughs> I want to start and give credit as I always do to where it should start. So New Economy Initiative, um, they uh, helped launch and build what you see as a Detroit ecosystem now, which is like 40 plus business service organizations supporting um, micro businesses, whether tech or community based in a variety of different ways. Mm -hmm. So giving them credit for that is also the epicenter of Memphis model as well. Um, 
So they started by bringing us all together. So there has to be someone who's willing to sort of be the hub or the convener, whether it's an individual, like, for example, I consider myself being back in Detroit, but still a convener around opportunities for entrepreneurs. Um, begin to have meetings and conversations and pull data around what do we actually do and what do we do well? Because you'll have some organizations saying they do everything. So New Economy Initiative took us through that whole exercise to take a look at ourselves from the inside out, um, which allowed us to also hone in on our competitive advantage. What did we do great um, and what we didn't do so we could partner and refer. So that being said, as far as sort of a high level process, um, that's what helped us to date. How do we move forward now with um, sort of COVID having happened and knowing that it's even more important now, not just to philanthropy, but community entrepreneurs that we work together? Because what had been happening before is we're pulling this entrepreneur to this resource and somebody that resource, sometimes events could conflict on the same day, right? And the entrepreneur is, wasn't at the center. So now for everything that I do, it's about making sure the entrepreneur is the center working with partners, collaborating them on projects. And I'll give you one example of a recent um, project that we worked on together. And it was different because it was the first time we did it. So Comcast Rise, you probably all saw that on the, you know, on the news and um, um, different outlets. So they picked Detroit as a city and there were other cities too. So they picked four of us in the ecosystem with a grant to do Comcast Rise. And previously, what we all would have done, we'd have gone into our own organizations, figured out what we're going to do for pipeline and getting the program and the word out. Instead, what we did was the four of us after that call with the national folks, we got on a call together and said, how do we collaboratively work together um, for pooling entrepreneurs to apply for marketing communications logo so that we aren't tugging back and forth with one another, but we're showing up as Detroit region against the others. I'm not in competition with my local BSOs. It's about dollars and support and investment to continue to come in Detroit and support our organizations. So we did collaborative marketing, collaborative information sessions, collaborative data and KPIs. And so we had 1,400 applicants from our Detroit region as a result of collaboration. Now, would Build Institute alone have gotten 1,400? No. Yeah. And so more things like that we're doing. And sometimes we will sit as the convener, Build will say, hey, let's get together and do this. We do this part. You do that part. And we all build it together. So somebody who's willing to take the risk and collaborate and say, hey, you come to the table and always put an entrepreneur in the center, that, that'll probably need to happen. And again, it's yeah. expected to happen. And so when you talk about like, how do we do this? I'm the first one to say, if you look at our org chart, it's a combination of, you know, I said build employees. It also has our facilitators and their companies for our programs. It has the public and private sector folks who are helping us. And build, we have like over 2000 grads. So a lot of times I'm hiring them for services. Mm-hmm. So they are also on there. So, for example, our operations um, specialist, her firm, she's a Bill grad, Lady Bondo, is helping us. So she's also on our org chart. So it takes the village. We don't own the success of every business we touch because it's a bunch of us working together, 
for the good of this entrepreneur. Now, do they start with build? Yes. <laughs> so if you look at most of the um, businesses that have launched in brick and mortar in Detroit since 2013, they started with build because we're known for the best business plan, national standard um, education they can get. They walk away with a business plan that has a proof of concept. We're known for proof of concept. So they can literally go to the next step and be able to launch a business in brick and mortar. So handing them off to, uh, you know, a Goldman Sachs or a, it was to a tech town. So literally you start with us, but we don't do the everything. We hand them off after they've gotten to what we consider through justified, where they can go to a bank, where they have revenue to be able to scale and go to like a Goldman Sachs and others. That shows great leadership on your part of, you know, we know we have a great model, but we're willing to share and we're willing to coordinate. So you're doing it in your communities in Detroit and starting in Detroit and Memphis, but how do you help others? So I love that. I know we're getting close to time. Um, I would love to hear um, how you started in Detroit and sort of grew to Memphis, but you mentioned you've grown since COVID and in, into some other some other areas. So, so tell us what that looks like and tell us sort of what the future holds for Build and, and what we should watch for. Well, certainly I will touch base. I'm glad you mentioned social entrepreneurship. I am a social entrepreneur. Um, my, our business, it was started in Memphis when I was there, I'm a development company, responsible development. Um, you know, we own some property and lots over near the Stacks Museum. And our whole thing is being intentional around developing responsibilities responsibly so that you know, it can be affordable for people to continue to live in a thriving neighborhood. And so we have what's called Build Impact. It's to help people build social enterprises. Mm -hmm. And I believe, so when you talk about what's next, we are going to see an uptick of social enterprises because as you said, when we started this conversation, people love their community. Mm -hmm. And many of us care deeply about social issues that plague us. And so we can have economic development piece um, but what about the social piece that's impacting our communities? And there are so many people with really great ideas. So we're going to see an uptick in that. So I'm, all, I'm glad that you all have something that can work across the country in that regard, which also means, what did I say earlier, the capital piece, more ways for people to be do social impact and investing. So that'll be key. And again, you're going to... The federal, federal dollars are beginning to come down again to what's considered micro-businesses. You're going to see a lot of that. Even SBA is looking at different ways to resource um, um, small businesses, the micro-businesses with fewer employees, how they can support. So you're going to see a shift, not a shift towards, again, rebuilding community, community-based businesses. Everybody started as a small business. If you look at the story of even the beautiful story about FedEx, everybody started as a micro. And so that's, I think, what we'll see, continuing to have opportunities to connect and learn from you all and us being able to share will be really, really great. I know I could go on and on and on. <laughs> no, this has been fantastic. And I I thank you for all the work that you're doing. Um, and thank you for, for sharing with the Heartland Forward Network. We absolutely look forward to staying connected. I will say, is there one last piece of advice that you would give um, for revitalizing communities, for anyone who's watching the interview and has a hunger to revitalize the community, what's that one piece of advice that you would give them? 
Um, I'll start by saying, don't be afraid to ask the question and say, I don't know. Um, I say that often. Um, I don't know everything. I have a blind side and ask the person you're looking to serve. So I'm often talking to entrepreneurs and we are co-designing things together that make sense for them. Um, assume good intent. People really do want to help and we don't know everything. Um, so don't be afraid to ask the question. And if you want to find, get out there and help, the first thing to do is to go to a BSO and volunteer your expertise and experience and say, how can I help? Just do it. So I'm going to close with the Nike slogan, just do it. <laughs> That's great advice. So just do it. And um, to, to end where we started, the heart of who you are, uh, I can absolutely tell it's a passion of yours. Again, thank you for sharing your expertise and knowledge, uh, Regina Ann, it was so nice visiting with you. Great to hear about Build Institute. And we encourage everyone listening um, to, to reach out and learn, learn more about what they're doing in communities. Thank you for having me, y'all. And Angie, it was a pleasure meeting you. Great questions, great energy. And I look forward to staying connected. <laughs> <laughs>